You are listening to Don't Punt to Geo, the UNC football podcast on the Tar Heel Blog podcast, hosted by TarHillBlog.com and the good folks at SBNation.com. We've had some scheduling conflicts this week, so I'm going to be talking to Jacob Cowden about the Virginia Tech game and Week 8 in general here in a little bit. Uh, first, it is 2:26 on Friday, uh, October 18th, 2019. The North Carolina Tar Heels just secured the commitment of five-star defensive end Desmond Evans. Multiple times talked about on our recruiting podcasts uh, with Jake Lawrence, with Akil Garuparan, with the crew. Currently ranked the number two overall player in the country by ESPN, number 22 by 247, and somewhere in between on the composite rankings. Guys, this is the biggest commitment UNC has had in football in 12 years since Marvin Austin committed on signing day back in 2007. We will get a lot deeper into that uh, sometime next week as we get our people back uh, matching my schedule. But for now, I mean, you're looking at a situation where UNC has more defensive line commits from the state of North Carolina who are ranked four or five stars than Larry Fedora had in his whole time in Chapel Hill. You now have more four and five star defensive commitments, period, than Larry Fedora had in his entire time in Chapel Hill. I don't mean to turn this into a Fedora bashing pod. Uh, you know, that's not what I intend to do. It often probably comes across that way, and eh, maybe there's good reason. But this is just proof of concept, again, that whatever Mac Brown is doing here in his second tenure at UNC, Mac is back, baby. Um. Just real quick, looking into what Desmond Evans can bring to the UNC defense as early as next year. You look at guys like Miles Murphy and Kedrick Bingley-Jones, they're going to play more the Strobridge role, uh, the Tamari Fox role in this year's defense. Uh, the 4-I position, they're going to be basically 3-4 defensive ends. Whereas Desmond Evans, he's going to be more in the Tomon Fox role uh, guy who is going to be on the weak side uh, using his speed and athleticism to create pressure. And his job is going to be to get sacks on the quarterback. Um, he's still not quite the size and physical ability of a Tomon Fox. Uh, obviously, you're going to have a lot of Julius Peppers comps just because it's easy to make that comparison. Uh, there's a pretty good chance that Evans is going to walk onto the basketball team as well. Um, I'm not as willing to make that as I am maybe a Josh Allen, uh, the, the good one, the good Josh Allen, not the uh, quarterback for the Bills, but the uh, linebacker who was just picked seventh overall out of Kentucky last year. That's what you're going to be seeing is just a real rangy athletic guy. And as he refines his game, he is going to be unstoppable. If UNC can keep Jay Bateman here for three years, which hopefully some of that is in place, uh, man, look out for this defense because... You're going to have an inexperienced front next year with uh, the graduations of Strobridge and Crawford. You're going to have a lot more talent on that front than you have had in years past. And guys like Tamari Fox, Taman Fox, uh, the three red shirts that are red shirting this year, Jalil Taylor. Uh, you're, you're going to have a lot more depth and a lot less experience up front next year. But the secondary, bringing back Patrice Rene and Trey Morrison and Cameron Kelly, uh, they're going to have depth and experience, uh, including the guys that have to play the second half of the season. So it's going to be a lot of fun going forward. Uh, the way they are taking to Jay Bateman's defense is something uh, Jacob and I will get into here a little bit later. But it's a good day to be a Tar Heel. 
We're going to hit a quick commercial break for a podcast you're probably not going to listen to, and then we're going to start the show. Jacob Cowden, good sir. How are you on this Friday afternoon? I'm good, man. I'm ready to roll. Ready to roll is pretty good. Um, playing any golf lately? Yeah, I uh, went a couple times this week. My buddy from high school is coming down to visit me next week, and he always beats the crap out of me. So I'm trying to get as much practice in as I can before he gets down. I feel you, man. I feel you. Well, uh, speaking of beating the crap out of people, that's what I hope uh, UNC goes into Blacksburg and does on Saturday. So let's uh, talk about the Heels and the Hokies. Um, Carolina's coming off a bye week at 3-3. Three and three. Uh, Very well-timed bye week. They're one of, I think, three or four FBS teams to uh, play six games in the first six weeks of the season. The only one that played all FBS teams in those six games. And Virginia Tech is sitting at four and two, but it is the most paper tiger of four and twos that I've ever seen. Um, What is kind of your 10,000 foot view of Virginia Tech right now? I think, you know, bringing Hooker and a quarterback, I don't know why they didn't do it earlier. The offensive line can't block. And I think, consistent effort's been an issue for him all year it's my ten thousand foot view do you think that's uh fuente related um maybe kind of losing the locker room do you think that's fuente and foster being at odds or do you think it's just kind of a talent and skill deficit i think it's it's a little bit of both i think there's a talent deficit because so many players have transferred which is really stemming from the fuente Quentin Foster issue, however you want, as someone who has no inside source with Virginia Tech, it just has gotten worse and worse every year since Fuente's been there. So it, it seems like the most logical and only thing I can think of is is the players aren't happy in that locker room. Yeah, I mean, I hope that's the case. Uh, it would be a little bit easier to have made that proclamation had they not gone to Miami and uh, beat them 42 to 35. But even in that game, Miami turned it over the first four possessions of the game, uh, dug themselves a 28 nothing hole, came back to tie it, would have taken the lead if Bubba Baxa had made an extra point, and then Virginia Tech, to their credit, uh, with Hendon Hooker, they went and drove down and won that game. Um, that's really the only game I'm trying to glean too much from at this point in the season, just because they played such a like schedule so far. Yeah, and I feel bad for Virginia Tech's home fans, because it's just such a crappy home schedule for one of like, the better fan bases in the ACC. The Miami game, I think, is such – like you said, I think it was three interceptions and a fumble the first four possessions. It was all in the first quarter. It was one of the weirdest football games I watched. I watched it again this morning while I was eating breakfast, and I just came away from it. was like, I don't know what just happened on my TV screen. So I don't know if it was Miami playing sloppy, Virginia Tech playing well, uh, what happened, but – Hooker played really well in that game. Um, that's what I'm most impressed with. Miami game uh, and this uh, Rhode Island game again. Those are their two most recent games, even though Rhode Island's an FCS team. Is Hooker has a lot of po- uh, poise in the pocket, uh, a good arm, mobile. Uh, I think he's one of the better. I cannot figure out why Ryan Willis was starting over him. Yeah, I remember in the preseason you were a little bit lower on Ryan Willis than I was. Um, I guess I'll concede that one to you. Uh, he. <laughs> Finished his tenure as starter with uh, 7.5 yards in attempt, five picks in just uh, those uh, three and a half games. Hooker's come in. He's only completing 55.1% of his passes, but um, just with his ability to escape the pocket and, you know, challenge the secondaries of defenses, he is getting 9.2 yards in attempt, has not thrown a pick yet, has not turned the ball over yet. 
um, isn't really rushing the ball for a lot per carry, but is uh, adding that element. And I, I don't have the non-sack numbers in front of me, but uh, Virginia Tech's offensive line, like you said, still pretty bad. Hendon Hooker definitely covers some of those ills for them. Yeah, and one thing I've noticed with Hooker is there's not a lot of scrambles. Like he he's m- manipulating the pocket pretty well. There's not a lot of downfield passing, but he's still trying to keep his eyes downfield as much as possible. A lot of his runs are on designed runs from from him. So even though it's not being as productive as as you'd like to see from those plays, it's still an extra element that that Jay Bateman's going to have to account for uh, this Saturday when Carolina goes up there. Yeah, and you know, with that, UNC obviously is dealing with a whole two deep worth of uh, secondary guys who are out. So. You know, maintaining discipline on the back end is going to be key. But uh, for me, the key to the UNC defense is Strobridge and Crawford. Um, if they can win one-on-ones, if they can get one-on-ones, which I think Virginia Tech's going to try to focus on locking them down, uh, the key becomes Dominique Ross, Chaz Surratt, uh, Jeremiah Gimmel, those guys being able to get pressure while maintaining the pocket. Um, you've got contain hooker. Um, and, and that includes the designed runs and the scrambles, but you are right that he's not really scrambling that much. Um, but basically, if he gets out of the pocket, Virginia Tech does have some explosive weapons outside. Yeah, I love, honestly, their receivers. I like Hazleton. Um, I'm trying to think of a Trey Turner. He only has 12 receptions, so not a huge part of the offense, but he's a sophomore. Loved him coming out of high school when he committed to Virginia Tech, which is why I don't know why they're not throwing the ball downfield more because I think their best – position group on offense is their receiver group but oh, by far. As well as the intermediate stuff like tight ends will come like on cross field action but not a lot of vertical passing game which i don't know if that's maybe a limitation of hooker they they don't trust his deep field accuracy or what but i think if virginia tech starts doing that it's going to open up a whole lot of things for him and here's what's interesting about that you, you mentioned trey turner he's averaging 11 yards a catch uh tavion robinson who is kind of their slot guy you know i mean for UNC fans reference, call him the Ryan Switzer. Uh, he's a freshman. He's got 23 receptions for 245 yards. Both of those lead the team. Um, that's only 10 yards a catch, though. But then they have seven other guys that have caught at least one pass per game. Uh, Hazleton's averaging 27 yards a catch. Hezekiah Grimsley's averaging over 20. So, you know, really, their inside guys are more the move-the-chains guys. That includes the tight ends, James Mitchell and Dalton Keene. And then Grimsley and Hazleton are kind of their shot play guys. So I, I think they probably will be taking some shots to them, but I'm just surprised they're not more involved in the short and intermediate passing game. Yeah, I'm interested to see how, like, what Virginia Tech does if they try to take more shots and how Carolina counters it. If I was being the defensive coordinator, I'd start the game off just playing door and one, one high safety, trying to load the box and maybe only rush three or four, try to create pressure with as little, as few people as possible. Cause I think Carolina's defensive line can get pressure, but, and then having the linebackers maintain discipline. But if Virginia tech hits on a couple deep shots early in the game, maybe bring another safety back that opens up some other things. So that that's kind of the, the scheme matchup I'm looking for on Saturday when they play. And I'm kind of of the opposite philosophy. I think you might want to sit back a little bit more in this game just because you have the threat of Hooker. You don't want to over-pursue him. And the Virginia Tech running game is just ass. <laughs> um, 
They're averaging 3.9 yards a carry, and that is, as you mentioned, with uh, FBS Rhode Island and Furman on the schedule, with Old Dominion on the schedule, with a Boston College team that gave up 41 to Kansas on the schedule. Um, I'm not really sure Deshaun McLeese and uh, Kashawn King are going to really able, you know, really be able to beat the heels if UNC can force them to beat them one-handed by running the ball. Yeah, yeah, and I think well, this is something that the Patriots do well, and and maybe this explains the lack of a deep passing game. But because they can't run it so well, they use kind of that quick passing game as kind of a pseudo run game, mm-hmm. uh, just trying to get the ball outside. Because yeah, just straight up, they're not going to be able to run on Carolina's front. The offensive line, honestly, I it might be this might just be recency bias, but it also might be the worst offensive line I've watched in the ACC this year. So. It's hard to do anything if you can't block and you're getting contact right at the line of scrimmage as a running back. Does that include Miami's offensive line? That's why I think it might be recency bias. <laughs> Miami's offensive line. That Seriously, that Miami-Virginia Tech game was weird, man. There was some weird stuff going on in that game. Yeah, I mean, it was basically like – I mean, it, it was really a seven-on-seven seven because neither team could run the ball, but yet uh, points were being scored at a at an incredible rate. Um. Let's move to when UNC has the ball. This is not the Bud Foster defense of old. Uh, You know, a lot of prognosticators were calling for a big bounce back because they returned 10 starters from a very young defense last year. Um, Obviously, going into 2018, they had a lot of attrition, and that set them back. They still have not really recovered. Um, You know, they're, they're creating havoc, but they're not really doing much of anything i'm trying to stall and figure out where they are in yards per play right now this is good audio um but what's kind of your overall uh bud foster in his last season virginia tech defense uh takeaway thus far well i think schematically i've seen him play a lot of base defense i'm i'm curious to see i haven't really seen him go a lot of like nickel or dime package but that's i think more the product of the last few offenses they played, the last three games for Virginia Tech, if I'm not wrong, were Duke, Miami, and Rhode Island, which are are going to run more like two running back, have a tight end in their personnel. And Carolina's going to spread it out more. So I schematically think it's going to be a lot different than we've seen the last few games. I know that's not the best answer I've ever given on this, this podcast. But um, so schematically, that's what I'm going to see. Talent-wise, um, I, I think their linebackers are are – the best position group out of, out of the, the defense uh, secondary has a, uh, they flash we'll say in the secondaries. Like sometimes they make some good plays, but a couple other times they make some boneheaded stuff. I think they're a talented group that, but that's what I'll say. They're, they're talented, but I don't know if the, the coaching or the scheme, there's just something missing that I can't figure out. Cause there's more talent on paper than the results have shown. Yeah, uh, for me, it starts up front. They don't have that big uh, disruptor like they had in Tim Settle or Trayvon Hill the past couple of years or, you know, going back, the guys who, you know, are just basically unblockable. Um, I know Foster kind of did what Vic Koning tried to do at UNC with no success, uh, where you have just a bunch of those hybrid guys that can stick their hand in the dirt and also uh, cover, and you see UNC doing that better than the master, the original master of it, Bud Foster at this point. I do like Rayshard Ashby, who's kind of their middle linebacker. Um, he and Divine Diablo, Reggie Floyd, uh, the two safeties. Uh, Reggie Floyd's going to miss the first half with a targeting penalty. 
Um, they're really good kind of in the back middle. So I, I still don't really expect UNC to attack as much between the hashes. I'm not really sold on their corners, and I'm not at all sold on their defensive line. So I think UNC is going to try to establish the ground game first and, you know, be a little bit more selective with their shots just uh, with this being really the first difficult road environment that UNC's played in. Yeah, I think I think uh, Deami Brown can can have a field day, honestly, if he gets gets a couple shots. Because I think if UNC does a South run, Virginia Tech's going to have to maybe bring a safety in, which will create some one on one matchups for the outside guys. So so maybe Corrales gets get some goal line looks. But I think Deami Brown is going to have a huge day if I were predicting like individual stats for the Carolina receiver just based on what Virginia Tech ha- has looked like and kind of projecting that into the Carolina game. Yeah, and uh, watching the Duke game, you know, what they did was a lot more short passing action. So I'm interested to see if they're going to do a little bit more of the screen and zip route uh, that they were doing with pretty good success against South Carolina. So I'm kind of watching for Toe Groves and, oh, man, you know what? The the bye week really threw me off here. Toe Groves, uh, maybe Carl Tucker out of tight end um, if he is healthy enough to play. Um, I'm I'm looking for a little bit more of a slot attack where they will then uh, take some deep shots uh, as the game wears on. Um, Oh, Daz Newsom is the name I was looking for. Daz Newsom, uh, whose brother actually played at Virginia Tech, small world. Um, Wow. We're losing it, Jacob. Uh, We are out of practice. (laughs) So, I mean, I guess overall, you know, do you think UNC is going to have the success moving the ball they did? I'm, I'm not going to say as much success as against Georgia Tech, but at least relative to opponent quality. Yeah, absolutely. And relative to opponent quality, UNC, we t- or against the Georgia Tech, we talked about it last time. There were so many self-caused errors that North Carolina had where I could see him putting up a similar point total, even if it maybe is a little bit harder to get the yards to get in the end zone. I just, there's no way I think they're going to have that many forced errors against this Virginia Tech team coming off of a bye week. So I think it might be a little harder to move the ball just because nobody's as bad as that Georgia Tech defense is. But I could see Carolina scoring in that that 30-35 range point-wise. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um Hopefully the bye week cleaned up some of those uh, self-inflicted errors that you mentioned. And at the end of the day, I mean, this was probably an exhausted football team because they played five really close games prior to that. I think they're going to be refreshed off the bye. That's going to lead into prediction time, Jacob. Uh, How do you see this game playing out? What what does UNC need to do to not win this game? To not win this game? I think they get some turnovers. Because at the Miami game, for example, when Miami was coming back, Miami held on to the ball. And when Miami blew, had that huge, or I guess Virginia Tech had a huge first quarter, Miami was turning the ball over. So if Sam, Sam Howell in North Carolina, they don't turn the ball over, just don't beat themselves, basically. I think they're going to win the game. I think they're, they're going to be a better coach team. Uh, they have better matchups throughout both offense and defense. So don't turn the ball over. Basically, don't do what they did during against Georgia Tech. Do what they've done during like South Carolina games, those other games where they they played well, uh, forced a couple turnovers is what I'm looking at. I love it. Uh, what's the score you're going with? You said 30 to 35 point range for the heels. Yeah, I would guess I would say 31 21 North Carolina. 
I love it. Um, I'm going to raise the stakes a little bit. I'm going to say 45 to 30. Okay. You're going the over. You're pounding the over then. I'm pounding the over hard. Um, I think it just kind of turns into a track meet just based on UNC's lack of experience in the secondary. Um, I do think that Carolina is going to be able to basically dictate what they want to do on offense. And that's going to lead to Powell not really being put in as many situations where turnovers become an issue and takes the crowd out of the game and really just kind of becomes a back and forth. And with the young secondary, I'm fine with that for a week as they kind of get their footing. But yeah, I I just think UNC is better coached, more cohesive, uh, believes in the messaging of their coaching staff at this point. And frankly, I don't have any data points that tell me Virginia Tech is a good football team at this point. Yeah. um... Now, when we when we reconvene on Monday and Virginia Tech beat us by 17, we're going to feel really stupid. But seriously. Yeah, but I think Carolina honestly has a good shot to win, and this will push him to over 500 for first time in maybe about a month or so. So I think it'll be hopefully a good game for for Carolina uh, going up to Blacksburg and, and hopefully coming out the win. Amen. Well, uh, it will be taking place at 3:30 on Saturday. Y'all come back and uh, join us for the post game, Jacob. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and bang through. A pretty weak uh, week eight schedule. So here is another ad for a podcast you probably won't listen to. Jacob, we are back. It is Friday, so we already missed some Wednesday Sunbelt action. We missed UCLA upsetting Stanford on Thursday. I don't even know if that's an upset because both of those teams are pretty bad. It's Friday. We've got Marshall at FAU at 630. We've got Pitt at Syracuse, an ACC matchup at 7. Number four, Ohio State at Northwestern at 8.30 on the Big Ten Network. UNLV at Fresno State in the nightcap. Um, Pitt at Syracuse is kind of the big one for us. Do you think Syracuse can build the heels a little bit of cushion in the Coastal here? I, I think they can. I don't think they're going to, though. I just – Tommy DeVito, Syracuse quarterback, he's been my biggest, maybe most disappointing player in the country, just super inconsistent. I thought him and Syracuse would have a much better year than they're having so far. Um, they have the talent to do it, have the offense to score a lot of points, but I'm picking Pitt um, if I have to pick who would win. But Pitt isn't a real football team. It's just some sort of creation made by the football gods to mess with everybody. So who knows what's going to happen? I think it's going to be chaotic, man. Um, the over-under is 52. Both of these defenses like to apply a lot of pressure. I think there's going to be a lot of turnovers and a lot of big plays. Um, so it's going to be... I don't know. I, I think 52 is kind of an insulting over-under. Um, Ohio State-Northwestern does not interest me at all. Um, I mean, unless you like watching train wrecks in slow motion, don't watch that game. Um, noon on Saturday, the ranked matchups. You got number three Clemson going to the birds with teeth at Louisville. West Virginia traveling to Oklahoma off of their Red River win. Wisconsin number six at Illinois. Number nine Florida at South Carolina. Number 11 Auburn at Arkansas. Purdue goes to number 23, Iowa. And that's it for the rank matchups. We've got a couple ACC ones to talk about after that. Yeah, um, and none of these games excite me. The only thing with Oklahoma-West Virginia is West Virginia's quarterback transferred from Oklahoma when Jalen Hurts transferred in. 
So intriguing storyline there, but I don't think any of those games are going to be close. South Carolina, Florida could be, could be weird just because South Carolina, we thought what they did with Georgia last week. Um, still don't know what to think of Florida's quarterback, Kyle Trask. So that could be a weird one. If I'm watching one of those, it's Florida, South Carolina. Yeah, uh, South Carolina is kind of the pit of the uh, SEC at this point. You know, Will Muschamp is going to drag you into a crappy football game. Um, people listening to this on one feed are going to know that all too well. Um, Clemson at Louisville intrigues me for a quarter and a half or maybe two quarters just because – as well as Clemson came out and played last week, Louisville all of a sudden is showing us that they're really not that bad. Yeah, I think after that Notre Dame game in week one, even though Louisville played closer in the first quarter, first half, we all thought, oh, you know, just same with Louisville. But Scott Satterfield, former App State head coach, has done a really good job there this season and uh, gave Wake Forest their first loss of the year in a, a really weird game last week, too, when Wake Forest's quarterback got hurt. So I think. You know, yeah, with Clemson, how they're playing, you never know. I still think it'll be a two-score game, but Scott Satterfield's done a heck of a job in his first year there. Yeah, um, Auburn is giving 19-and-a-half at Arkansas. Um, Arkansas, decidedly not a good football team. Um, they're probably going to go 0-8 in conference, but they have played uh, their last two SEC opponents relatively close. Do you think with uh, Bo Nix's inexperience, um, there's any chance that Arkansas at least covers that? I think covering, yeah. I, I think that would be another one. I think Auburn went about by 10, 13. So I would pick Arkansas to cover, but I think Auburn's too talented. Bo Nix, when he's good, is is fantastic, especially for a true freshman. He's just not that the whole game. So that's going to keep Arkansas relatively close in the game. But overall, Auburn's too talented too. I think it'll be two scores, but Arkansas covers that 19 and a half. Yeah, uh, Georgia Tech goes to Miami in ACC play um no reason to think there's going to be an upset there is there no not that I've seen um NC State at Boston College um I actually had Boston College in this game I'm just not really a believer in what the Wolfpack's doing yet this year um I do love watching Laurel Murchison play I, I think he's got eight and a half sacks now on the season here halfway through yeah, and I, I'm I'd go with NC State just because that Kansas loss. I'm still freaked out for that uh, from Boston College, so um, that's kind of still in my head. So I'd roll with NC State in that game, but it's it's up in Boston, so I think it'll be close. But um, I'd pick NC State, and I saved the most competitive uh, noon game for last on purpose. Iowa State at Texas Tech um, in that nice little mid tier of the Big Twelve. Basically, you know, and even Texas, you could include in this group at this point. Basically, anybody besides Oklahoma or Kansas is going to provide chaos in the Big 12, which makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, Texas Tech, their last game with Baylor went to overtime. Um, Their quarterback got hurt. Excuse me, Alan Bowman. So they're using their backup right now, and he's been great for him. Helped them upset Oklahoma State. So, and Iowa State, I think, has been kind of disappointing. I think... Brock Purdy, uh, according to PFF, I thought as well, he was a top 10 quarterback in the country coming into this year. Um, they lost to Iowa. They're four and two. So that's been kind of a disappointing team for me. So I might roll with, with Texas Tech to win that game at home. But yeah, the Big 12's maybe been the most interesting conference as far as I don't have any rooting interest, just like seeing what's happening in it. Yeah, until the SEC starts uh, getting off a little bit a few more of these top 10 matchups. Uh, speaking of one of those top 10 matchups that happened last week, uh, in the 330 slate, 
The CBS game is kind of disappointing. LSU at Mississippi State. Your boy Joe Burrow, man. He's been unreal. I think no player has helped his draft stock, especially from a quarterback than Joe Burrow this year. And we didn't – it's not like last year in LSU's offense we saw him and we're like, oh, if he were in this spread open offense, he'd be doing this, he'd be putting it up. He's legitimately improved so much from last year to this year. And then you put him in that offense with all the talented receivers like Jefferson that are at LSU. I think it's been him and Ed Odron, his success at LSU have been the biggest surprise, I think, so far this year. Yeah, I'm interested to see how long Joe Brady sticks around. Um, I found out last week that he's 30 years old. And at 31 years old, I feel wholly unaccomplished as a human being. Um Number 12, Oregon, goes to number 25, Washington, on ABC, also at 3.30. This is your region. Um, tell me about this game, because if Washington wins, the Pac-12's done, right? I think the Pac-12's done anyway, honestly. But, yeah, it's Oregon because they played Auburn. Because uh, Oregon and Utah both have one loss, but Utah's non-conference schedule is pretty weak. So even if they win out, I don't think they're going to the playoff. And Washington, we both picked to win the conference. They've been – maybe the most probably the most disappointing team in the Pac-12. They need to win this game and Oregon to lose another game because Washington already has two conference losses if they want a shot at winning the Pac-12. I think Washington is going to win at home. Oregon's offense, especially Justin Herbert, he hasn't been able to do anything away from Watson Stadium, Oregon's home stadium, ever. Uh, he's been fantastic going home and disappointing on the road. That's just kind of been a story throughout his career. Seattle's a really tough place to play. Washington's still got the talent. They haven't been able to put it together for a couple of games, like the Cal game and the Stanford game. But uh, Jacob Easton, you know from, from his Georgia days, he honestly, I think he has the best arm, just pure arm talent in the entire country. He has a bunch of good receivers. So I think it's close, but I think Washington wins the game and sends the, the Pac-12 packing as far as the playoffs concerned yeah I think you've got the two best arms just strictly cannon for an arm guys in the country uh squaring off unfortunately Oregon has kind of decided they want to try to play man ball and uh really not put Herbert in a good situation to show off his arm and Eason just uh does not really have it between the ears in my opinion at this point um, moving on, other ranked teams that are playing in the 330 slot, App State's hosting UL Monroe, Cincinnati's hosting Tulsa. Neither one of those are going to be ultra competitive. Um, number 20, weirdly undefeated Minnesota goes to Rutgers. That's also not going to be competitive. Temple goes to SMU. I, I mean, I'm just going to tell you straight up, I've got Temple winning this game and knocking out the uh, whole SMU narrative. Yeah, I think it's been fun that SMU's been good and they had that 21-point comeback a couple weeks ago. But I think – I don't know why Temple's not ranked. I know they have, they have one loss, but they beat Memphis last week. Temple, their defense is really good. They're just a good overall team. And that's one thing that shocked me after they lost Matt Rule to Baylor a couple years ago is they've continued to trend the right direction as a program. So I agree with you. I think Temple's going to win that game in Dallas. Yeah, um, SMU's favored by eight in that game. So, you know, maybe we're sleeping on them a little bit, but – I just really believe in Temple. I think that loss to Buffalo, um, the one you mentioned, was an aberration. Um, as far as unranked games, uh, Indiana-Maryland in the Big Ten, uh, Duke at Virginia on the ACC Network at uh, 3.30. That's obviously a big game with uh, ACC Coastal implications. Yeah, and we I'm fig- I forgot who Carolina wants to win that game. I, I think it might be Duke, but I'm, I thought, I'm surprised Virginia lost last week. I think Virginia's going to bounce back at home 
I still think Bryce Perkins, is, he's been a, had a disappointing year, but I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. The bummer for Virginia is their cornerback, Bryce Hall, who I've been pretty adamant. I think is the best cornerback in the country. He got hurt in that Miami game. So I'm interested to see what Bronco Mendenhall, Virginia's head coach, with a full week um, does with that defense uh, with Bryce Perkins out, or excuse me, Bryce Hall out for, for them for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm interested to see if Duke can establish some kind of downfield passing attack because you're not really going to beat them within 10 – you're not going to beat Virginia, that is, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Uh, they're just really disciplined and get to the ball. Um, Quentin Harris has not really been able to get the ball downfield much at all. Um, but as far as it relates to UNC's interests, they both have one conference loss, and uh, UNC plays both of them the next two weeks at home. So. Let's just cheer for UNC. Uh, they're going to Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Um, we already discussed that. Uh, moving to four o'clock, Baylor goes to Oklahoma State. I love Baylor. They're they're a lot of fun. To, I don't I don't like Baylor the university. I love Baylor the football team. Um, really balanced. They are I think top thirty in both offense and defense. Yeah, and Matt Rule he can honestly I think has a shot. Him maybe an Ed Ordron and maybe Ryan Dade Ohio State, but for for Coach of the Year candidates just because. After that whole Art Bryles thing, when he left Baylor, they were left for dead, essentially. And Matt Rules brought him back. He's doing things, really revamping that program. Oklahoma State, though, they have, I think, uh, the leading rusher in the country. And Tylen Wallace, he's probably the best receiver who doesn't play at Alabama in the country as well. So they can score a lot of points. So that's probably the game I'm most looking forward to, uh, especially in that slate, maybe the whole weekend, that Baylor-Oklahoma State game. Yeah, uh, Missouri goes to Vandy. Vandy just lost to UNLV by 24 points, and UNLV is projected uh, the rest of the season to finish 3-9 and nine and fire their coach. So that's uh, where Vandy's at. Uh, moving to the night slate, 6 o'clock, you've got Kentucky at number 10, Georgia. Uh, big bounce-back game for Georgia for me. I'm just interested to see if they'll let Jake, let Jake Fromm throw the ball to receivers who are still running into space. Um, Andrew Hall and I talked about it on the Illegal Touching podcast earlier this week. Everything was breaking back towards the quarterback, so you're throwing to stationary targets. I don't know if that's a Jake Fromm issue or a coaching issue, but that's going to be my key to watch with Georgia because there's no reason they should lose this football game. I'm, I'm with you. I think them dropping to 10 was too reactionary. They're not the, the 10th worst the ten team in the country. I think they get a big win against Kentucky. They're going to be pissed off, I think. So that's Kentucky got them at the worst possible time. Yeah, and Kentucky's basically – down to their third string quarterback so you know hopefully the defense figures out a way to generate a pass rush maybe create some havoc plays um also at six o'clock this is a game that maybe you jacob on the west coast can get but uh, us on the east coast are blacked out of it because it's on the pac-12 network probably the game of the year in the pac-12 arizona state at utah number 17 at number 13 um i've weirdly enjoyed watching Jaden daniels at uh, arizona state and i've enjoyed everything about Utah. I was still disappointed that they lost uh, that game to Southern Cal earlier in the year. Yeah, that Southern Cal game was weird. And this is actually turned into a, a rivalry, a non-natural rivalry game. Jaden Daniels, he actually was going to go to Utah. And then there's some rumors, you can call it, maybe some foul play at Arizona State. But last second, he flipped his commitment to Arizona State. Um, and Arizona State's pounded Utah the last couple of years. So it's circled. I have a couple of friends who play at the University of Utah. Circled on their calendar. Arizona State's defense is legit. I've been impressed what Herm Edwards has done. Um, Utah's favored by 14, which I think is very high. I think it's going to be a close game. 
I still think Utah is going to win. And I think the winner of this game is probably going to win the win the Pac-12 South. They both have one conference loss. Utah's was to USC, so they they need a little bit of help. But uh, I think winner of this game represents the South in the Pac-12 championship. And we're not going to touch on it later, but uh, Arizona goes to USC, and I can see – I mean, USC is another one of these havoc teams where, you know, really anything can happen, but I don't trust them to uh, run the table in the uh, Pac-12 South and get to the conference championship game. Um, 7 p.m., Kansas at Texas on the Longhorn Network. I won't be watching that one because I don't get it. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Um, not a whole lot of greatness in the 7 o'clock slate. Um, really, if you just need something to watch for 30 minutes, Maybe go Colorado at Washington State on ESPNU. I don't. I don't know. Um, but at seven thirty, you've got. I feel like Michigan's been in the big one about five times this year. But number sixteen, Michigan at number seven, Penn State on ABC. I think Penn State's going to blow them out. Yeah, I think Penn State's legit, and that was maybe the team that had the biggest question mark. Just like I don't know what they're going to be. Trace McSorley left. Uh, Miles Sanders left. The running back who replaced Saquon Barkley. But but their head coach, Franklin, has done such a good job recruiting. Their front seven is so legit. Their secondary is fast. They, I think they have, like, it's their top five in sack rate and total sacks as far as uh, their defense getting pressure on the quarterback. So I, it's the wideout game for Penn State, which I've never been to, but I hear from what people tell me is top three atmosphere in the whole country in terms of, of fan experience. So I think Penn State as well. I don't, I don't know if it'll be a blowout by like 40, but I think it'll be a not not a close game. I think maybe 10, 10, 14 in that range. Well, I mean, that's a blowout in uh, Big Ten terms. And I don't, I don't think Penn State's legit, legit. Like, I, I don't think they're a playoff caliber team. I just don't think Michigan's really a top 25 team at this point. That's even with, you know, one of the better opponent-adjusted defenses in the country. Their offense just can't do anything. And with Penn State's front seven, as you mentioned, their offense is going to do even less in the whiteout uh, atmosphere. Uh, Texas A&M goes to Ole Miss on the SEC network. Florida State at Wake Forest on the ACC network. Uh, We'll touch on that one for a quick second because I think that one's going to be probably the most just pure fireworks entertaining game of the late slate. Yeah, I think Wake Forest, again, no rooting interest, but have they been the most in terms of pleasant, like exceeding expectations, surprise in maybe the whole country? They're five and one. Could have been 6-0 after that Louisville game last week. Jamie Newman has been unstoppable. He's a top – PFF has him as a top five or top ten quarterback in the whole country. And, and their backup, Sam Hartman, played really well in that game against Louisville, filling in for Newman. Uh, and Ford State, just the opposite. They've been a train wreck last – well, all this year, last few years. And we've, we've talked about that multiple times. I think Wake Forest wins pretty easily. Florida State still doesn't know what's going on, if they're going to play Alex Hornibrook, if they're going to play James Blackman. I think Blackman is the better option for them. But if you can't figure out what your identity is like as a team or on offense, it's hard to go in and Wake Forest. They're, they're rolling even with that loss, I think. So, yeah, Wake Forest, I think more than anything, the country has exceeded. Baylor, you could probably put in there as well, but exceeded expectations through the first half of the year. Yeah, I think uh... – we're going to look back on the UNC Wake Forest game and look at that as a missed opportunity for the Carolina offense as bad as they were in the first half of that game because Louisville just put 62 on them in regulation. Um, I think Florida State's going to put up some points. I do think Wake's going to get more stops and be able to basically dictate what they want to do on offense. And that slow zone read, if, if you have not watched a Wake Forest game this year, 
Watch their extremely slow delayed zone read. It is so frustrating to imagine trying to defend um, as, as, as a defender who's got to wait for that mesh point. The over-under on that game is 68. I'm taking way, 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 way over on that game. Um, but I do think Wake Forest is the better team. Uh, Tennessee at Bama, 9 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, very late start, and I do realize they're in the central time zone, so it's only 8 there. That's not going to be a game. Right. Did you see the Tennessee players talking about how this isn't uh, an Alabama team that can win the national championship? No, but this is a Tennessee. I mean, those are the same Tennessee players that lost to Georgia State. So stay in your lane, bro. I don't know why you would say anything like uh, there. Yeah. So I'm excited to see Alabama's receivers do what they do every week. Yeah. um, I'm I mean. I'm excited to see Tennessee score a touchdown just uh, to see if we can match from two years ago when uh, the guy, I forget his name, he plays for the Panthers now, uh, just threw double birds to the uh, Bryant-Denny crowd. That guy's an icon. I have him on my phone. He's been my screensaver sometimes. Just an absolute legend. The only Tennessee football legend from the 21st century. Yeah. Um, 10, 15 p.m. I know this is a game you'll be interested in. Uh, number 14, Boise State goes to BYU. Uh, both teams are without their quarterbacks. Boise State looked just fine on offense as I was drifting off to sleep um, against Hawaii without uh, their their starter. This is a big game for you. Um, if you don't know, Jacob's a BYU alumnus. Uh, what can you tell us about this one? And we will get out after that. Yeah, well, it's a big, it's a really big rivalry game. Boise State and BYU hate each other. Um, BYU last week started the first African-American quarterback in school history, and he's a kid who played with my cousin in high school, so I actually watched him a lot um, just by going to my cousin's games. His name is Jaron Hall. I think Boise State's overrated. I think they still win the game because BYU's been pretty unproductive and inconsistent for a lot of the year, but I think Boise State at 14 is much too high. I don't even know if they're a top 25 team, to be honest, especially without their true freshman quarterback, Hank Bachmeyer. I think, yeah, last week they were – they were good to okay. Um, they've just been in, too inconsistent for me. Um, not not productive as I'd like to see them. So I think Boise State wins the game. It's going to see maybe a fight. Boise State's won the last couple. But this is a really big rivalry game that I know people in the East Coast don't really care about Boise State-BYU. But it's an intense game. you got some like religious aspects thrown into it because in Boise they hate Mormons for some reason. Can't figure that out. But I think it'll be, it'll be a competitive game. Um, and Jaron Hall's athletic, so he can make some plays both with his arm and his legs, BYU's quarterback. So I think BYU has a shot. It's at home, so the fans are going to be up for it. But Boise State, uh, Evan Weaver, it's either Curtis or Evan, their defensive end, but he's one of the best pass rushers in the entire country for Boise State. So I think uh, he'll he'll make some plays, and Boise State ends up winning the game. I love it. Well, Jacob, that is week eight. Um to everybody listening, thank you. We'll be back to talk about it here after the games. Y'all enjoy.